Welcome to Rollin' Bones, the osteopathic podcast with your hosts, Dr. James and Dr. Dante. And we have a guest today. We are turning over a new leaf. We have in the past had guests who are all physicians. Today, we have a physician-free zone where we have a guest who's not a physician, a, a good friend of mine of over 20 years. His name is Matthew Cox. And uh, Matthew, he's coming in from Vegas. Um, he does some pretty cool stuff. He's a business coach. He's a motivational speaker. He also runs his own behavioral health services. Um, it's called Never Give Up Behavioral Health Services. Uh, Matthew, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you here. Hey, thanks, uh, Dr. Aston. It's been a it's it's exciting to be on here. And it's funny as I listen to what you put out there, where I've been, it's it's kind of all over. I, I I would feel like my career's been like a schizophrenic. You know, we've I've done a little of everything, and we'll dive into that. But it, it's <laughs> well, been fun. <laughs> What's that? That's why we get along so well. Yeah, and and like you said, um, uh, no no license on my side. Just uh, I've been helping people throughout my career, and fell in the mental health uh, industry over twenty years ago, and just kind of fell in love with it, and. Uh, for the record, to, to James, we are we're not officially a podcast thing until we start inviting people, like with that type of pedigree. I'm like, this sounds just eclectic enough to be a podcast thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's that kind of energy. I'm, I'm thinking we, we are finally making it to the real the real game here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, not well, interviewing that, our friends and whatnot, <laughs> or like our close oh, contacts from, from the office. Hey, that's where I started. <laughs> it's it, it's fun when you start just interviewing. Hey, mom, can you be on my show? You know? Right, right. You well, and know. Is. yeah, and Matthew does do a, a great show. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Well, I've been, you know, I've had a few. Uh, I used to do live radio for years. Uh, I had a radio show we did in Utah um, for a while and then came to Vegas, had a show on uh, one of the local channels here, Never Give Up. And I worked on just kind of helping parents with kids that were struggling with special needs, intellectual disabilities kind of been my arena for a lot of years. And then now I do a podcast called Purpose Driven Person Podcast, which is just finding people like yourselves that have a drive because, you know, being an executive coach for so long, there's a lot of people. I, I try to figure out what drives them to to grind every day. Uh, being physicians, you guys have to get up and grind. It has You have to have purpose to go to med school, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The grind is real. The grind. Or you lose a bet. In my are you are you in the bed, <laughs> Dante? We'll have to talk about that bet. It, you're you need to come to Vegas if you're betting stuff. I, I know. It's I'll just, tell you, it it was the best loss I've ever had. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so I'd like you know, and and that's the thing is we fall into our careers, like you're saying, Dante. Things happen, but what I always talk about is it has to be a passion and it has to be calling, and you got to love what you do or fall in love with it. Does that make sense? Hell yeah. Yeah, I think we you can say we both have done that very yeah. thing with what we do. Yeah, yeah. And, go ahead. Well, and you you started this behavioral health services. What do you do at Never Give Up? Well, it started back in 2012. So I actually started. I'll I'll jump back to when I was in Utah. I started my first company, which was a foster company. So I worked with foster kids, and then I came to Vegas. Uh, realized it was the wild west here for mental health. It, they're about ten years behind. And, um, among other things. It, oh yes. And, and it was interesting to watch the difference of, um, uh, the, the system here. And then 2012, me and my wife 
uh, we started the outpatient. The outpatient, we have outpatient therapists, med managers, psychiatric services. And then from there in 2016, we opened our inpatient, which is a psychiatric adolescent 91-bed facility. Uh, the kids stay there for about over a year, six months to a year, uh, receiving psychiatric services. And then wow. we have another service called Strong Minds, which is substance addiction substance. And we have sober living homes as well. So, so has business picked up over the last year? Then, um, you know, crazy enough, it's 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 been a weird. Like I think for all of us, we can say just twenty twenty go away, please. Um, <laughs> it's been awkward. I mean, yes and yeah. no. Um, inpatient, yes. Outpatient, we've we've had our bumps, like every other business. Um, Cause nobody knew what to do. Cause they couldn't, you know, therapists are hardwired to see people in the face, like just like doctors, you guys do your rounds. Yep. And so a yep. lot of private medical practices closed here as well. So it's been, it's been really frustrating for all of us. I can imagine that's been difficult and, you know, we're doing this crossover event mm -hmm. um, partially because, well, because you do great work and, We've just finished off a couple of episodes talking about how detrimental losing connections can be to someone's mental health, whether those connections be to other people, to uh, a productive career, to um, uh, society, e even to childhood things. And so we, we're going, we've gone into this, this tailspin as a society right now where we're losing connections. So this episode, we wanted to talk about, okay, we know the connections are lost. But how do we reconnect? You know, when the breaker is, is flipped off, how do you find the right breaker to flip on without blowing something up? And how do you maintain that connection? Uh, and I think you have some real important insights on all of these different uh, connectivity issues. Yeah, go ahead and get started. <laughs> yeah, so that's like the million dollar question. How do you? Yeah, that, that's a really start. So I'll start to the to the episode. It's like, all right, cool, fix people. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, one of the things that reminds me, I don't know if you guys know the Who Moved My Cheese. Have you guys heard of that book? Oh, yeah. I love that book. Love that book. So, I'm actually so not familiar, it on, guys. So, help me, help me yeah, out. Yeah, no, book. it's it's a cool analogy. It's just uh, two, two mice that uh, go every day. The cheese is there at the same place. Two humans, him and ha. Him, you know, one's positive, one's negative. And then uh, every day they go to the same place. Cheese is there, cheese is there. And then finally, one day, uh, the mice noticed the cheese was getting low. Um, they started scampering off looking for more cheese. Um, eventually, one day, just nothing was there. So uh, one, I think it was in, in Aston, you can jump in, Dr. Aston, if I remember. One says, well, I'm not going anywhere. And the other, I think it was him, he started putting on his running shoes and what, what happens, that story, I, I just remember the pandemic's no different. You know, our, all of our cheeses got moved and it's it's really a pain in the butt um, yeah. because restaurants are closing. People don't know what to do. I, I, I go to, you know, gyms are not knowing what to do. And so to reconnect, I think the answer to that is is really what, what it drives home in that concept is we got to look at things we can internally control and externally what we can't control. And okay. I think a lot of times we get so fixated. One, one of the things I do as coach and as an executive coach, I tell my um, executive clients, turn off the freaking news. Cause right now it's just worthless. Oh, and it's going to yeah. stress you out more than 
help you, if that makes sense. I've well, yeah. taken okay. very meter doses of, of yeah. that kind of media to make sure yeah. I can still see over the gates. And there then after go. I feel my pulse go up just enough, I'm like, all right, and we're done for today. Shut it. Yeah. yeah. So know your limits, well, right? Media screaming out, look, your cheese is gone. Look, your cheese is gone. Look, your cheese is gone. Someone stole your cheese. Yes. Yes. And that's what's going on right now. And one side saying everything's crashed and the other, you know, it's great. Cheese is here. And so it gets really confusing. So the connection, like what you guys are saying, because normal, you know, people don't understand when you take normal away. And in a psychology, so if somebody comes in, two doctors, you guys come in, hey, uh, you have this element, you immediately take their norm away when you say you're sick and something's happening. So their homeostasis is gone, right? Yeah, absolutely. So they're trying to figure out now, you just told me I have leukemia, cancer, whatever it is. Now they have to try to reconnect. How do I survive? Right. And so it's, I know that's kind of more of an extreme, but. It's no different no, in mental health. It's okay. it's if if you tell me my my story is changed, I'm gonna really have a tough time to know what to do. You know, a lot of clients will come in and say, Matt, this working from home is so hard. I don't I, I feel like I'm not doing nothing. Because we're used to getting in our car, going to work, doing those routines. So now so the routines have changed. Running the, we're running the maze every day, the maze oh, yeah. ball go out. By any chance, have, Matthew, have you ever seen Westworld? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, cool. Because I swear this sounds like the plot of season three. <laughs> I haven't gotten to season three yet. but For what it's worth, this is totally a plot of season three. That's an <laughs> Anthony are- Hawkins film, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm just going to shut up right there. It's a great show. It's dope. Um, yeah. Dolores and all that crazy good stuff. But yeah, um, the, I bring that up because it's, it is amazing how unhinged in a formal sense a lot of the people I've interacted with both professionally and in my own life have become purely because, uh, as you said, their, their norm has been disrupted. It's almost okay. like, um, the disruption of norm just unhinges all of these drives that we take for granted. Like you think you're a well-adapted person, but really, you're just really well domesticated. Yeah. And all of a sudden the pen gets loose and you're like, crap, there's a lot of monster inside me. Now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'll go ahead. What role does, what role does normalcy play anyway? I mean, what is normal? They're really, you know, and I love you say that, uh, Dr. Essen, because they're, I don't, normal is what you make normal, right? Right. So for me every day, I, I, you know, I grew up as one of those ADD kids, high anxiety. I, I struggle with anxiety every day. Mm-hmm. And so normal for me is not different than what it's for you guys. You know what I mean? So, and, yeah. you know, being another ADD kid, uh, I know exactly what you're meaning, but same time my normal is different than yours oh yeah i like i like how you you frame that normal is how you define it so in this state right now where it seems like everyone else is trying to define normalcy i mean how do how does someone go out and say look i want my normal to be different and i want want a new normal i had for i can answer it for myself i had to i had to recreate it i had to connect the dots so in my book, I just finished a uh, purpose driven person. It, it's funny because one of the four concepts is connection. And when I talk about connection a lot is, is for instance, if uh, Dante, if I came down where you were, grew up in Jersey and all those areas, it would be normal for you, but I'd be looking at you like, this is nuts, man. 
we oh, talk never basketball saying, from. Yeah, get in the car, get the ball. What are you doing? You know, I'd be like, what are they saying, Dante? <laughs> 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 but that's normal. But if you came to my side of the world, uh, Vegas is not very different. I mean, every it's a melting pot. Uh, it's kind of more of a tourist attraction. But if I took you into my small town up in Utah, you'd be like, hey, this is really small. This is crazy because you I don't know if you were a big city, Dante, or. So just because of my particulars, I I went from like deep in the urban environment, Manhattan, Brooklyn, go. Jersey City, all the way to um, basically middle of nowhere Pine Barrens yep. throughout the course of my adulthood. So I, I've learned to adapt. I've actually developed a rural preference. But as far as where I grew up, yeah, no, the first time I went into the woods, I was legitimately terrified. Because what the hell are all these trees doing here? And what the hell is that noise? It's a cricket. Nobody cares. And what's that big bug coming at me? Yeah. So it, it's, it's, but eventually what you just said, and I think you guys as medical doctors, the, you set into a normalcy or homeostasis because then it became normal, right? Basically. Yeah. yeah. After enough times in the woods, you kind of like, you like start it. to lose the chaos of it. You start to see the patterns. The system begins to spin down a bit. Um, you're talking about the normalcy thing with doctors. I'm thinking about the first, I remember the first time I uh, ordered Tylenol as basic as it is as a physician, mind you, not as a, just, Oh, Tylenol's good for you, whatever. But like, you know, you're in a hospital, you're, uh, rounding on a bunch of patients. It's your first night on call and there's no big boy doctors around and you're just kind of like the lone intern running a floor. Oh crap. And you're like, do I really give Tylenol right? It's, it's the same damn Tylenol it's always been, but all of a sudden there's that pressure and the nurse calls. And the nurse calls and says, Doc, I need you to put in some Tylenol. And your response is, Do you check the LFTs? (laughs) 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 How much alcohol have you drank last night? (laughs) Now you guys don't even flinch. You just do it, right? Oh, man. The things we do now would terrify baby doctor me. (laughs) Well, it's funny you use that analogy because mental health is no different. Like people say, How do you deal with all that? You know, the views or the stories and. It, it's kind of, it became just something we do. You know what I mean? Right. You train for it. You grow yeah. with it. Yeah. And you grow into it. And, and I think it goes back to what you're asking, Dr. Aston, is uh, Victor Frankl's one of my favorite books, Man's Search for Meaning. He talks about in, in adversity, like what we're having this crisis, this what's going on, what kind of meaning can we find in it? One of the things I'm noticing, uh, normal, what we're seeing now, they did a hundred years ago during the Spanish uh, flu crisis. Uh, it's funny we're repeating history all over again. We are the whole <laughs> mask argument. I've seen several articles about how Americans refuse to do it. Then, how are we going to convince people to do it now? They're shutting down theaters. They're shutting down. <laughs> and everyone was everyone was rioting then about it too. Oh yeah, and, and it, I was I've been studying a lot on that, and it's just crazy because why have you know we try to make it, uh, and we're going back to connection, but I'm just kind of weaving it back in there is. If people connect why we do things, but find meaning in it, because it took till 1960 to get that vaccination. Look how fast they did the vaccination now. Um, Again, months. But even normalcy, in talking about that too, because a lot of people have asked us, um, even after that pandemic uh, took normalcy, what there was never, we never, they never went back to what was normal to them. They, they now realize there's these super bugs, these, scary things. Just like you said, Dr. Dante, the forest became a little less fearful as you spent time. I think we're going to have a lot of fear as we move through a mental health crisis. It's just, it's just scratching the surface. So a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety we're going to have to work through even after the vaccination. 
Right, right. Because it doesn't change the fact that, like, the vaccine doesn't make the virus go away. It doesn't change all of the ways humans have adapted or maladapted to the virus. But it's like, all right, so fine, you're lost in the woods. Here's a flashlight. You're still in the woods. Oh, man, you went lost in the woods and Disney came up. You know, when he talked about the damn thing about, like, internal locus of control, I'm not going to lie. I saw Olaf. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) I went over there. Yeah. 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 you, you have to understand there are random Disney quotes through, sprinkled throughout every just about every episode of our podcast. Oh, good. We go from like Disney it. to guns on a regular basis, man. With alacrity. <laughs> That's why it's called Rolling Bones. There you yeah. go. <laughs> That's right. He needs some desperado, well, but yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting when we're, we're talking about um, helping people connect, mm-hmm. uh, even with the vaccine, the people who've already contracted the virus are being uh, uh, counseled to to get that vaccine. Um, I think there's been a lack of connection between medical, quote unquote, experts Mm -hmm. and the general public. Um, I'm not sure quite how we can reconnect to uh, help us through. Do you have any ideas of how to reconnect something like that? Well, you know, patient to provider uh, relationship has changed. I mean, we're now going into that teletherapy, unless you're in a hospital, you guys are rounding. I think it's just, we're, you know, your, your generation X. So all this online stuff is not going to change. So I think doctors are going to have to be very charismatic over this platform, the, the, on the line. Um, a lot of the insurances are changing to that teletherapy or telemedicine. So like it, it turned the therapy industry upside down because now all the therapists have to learn how to do teletherapy. Um, I think the psychiatrists had the hardest time, you know, being online. Uh, but then after they've done it for a while, they start loving it. So I think the biggest, biggest thing is you're going to have connection issues with the older clientele versus to your younger one. Older ones are going to have a little struggle with that. And what we've done with them is we've tried to have the ability if they can come into somewhere, a site, you know, check in with a secretary, then sit in a room. It does kind of help them find that connection because they'd rather come to somewhere to kind of sit in there. But um, your younger population, they'd care less. They, they, they'll they pop onto Zoom or where, whatever platform and say, hey, doc, what's up? <laughs> well, it's probably a lot easier for them to do the whole Zoom thing. It costs less money because you don't have to pay for gas. And then it takes less time because you're not sitting in a waiting room an hour an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how late the provider is or the physician is. Yeah. The trade office, you better have a damn good radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have a very, Dante, you can be on morning, wake up, uh, whatever, uh, Texas or wherever you guys are at. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll attribute the new joke. microphone for that. I swear I sound like a robot before. <laughs> it's morning in Fort Worth, and this is Don. There you go. <laughs> Are you going to do, uh, what's his name? Uh, what was uh, that? Burgundy? No, uh, Robert Williams, what, Vietnam. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I got, I got you, I got you. <laughs> Robert Williams. Good. Oh, man. Good word. I'll, I'll bring <laughs> really old Indowindums into uh, old movies. Hey, we're, we're all over that, all over that. I think we named one of our earlier episodes a bridge too far, so you you might be all right here. <laughs> bridge too far. Yeah, no, that's a good. <laughs> Somebody out there has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, that's Deal okay. With it. The movie's they'll, on Netflix. Just they'll start catching. Exactly. I, I try. You know, I go into the facility and say, 
hey, do you guys remember Charlie Brown? And the kids look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, Charlie, Charlie. who? <laughs> you mean the Christmas song? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or, or I was trying to reference, um, what was that? Uh, Money Pit. You remember that with Tom Hanks? Oh, yes. Of course. No, they looked at me funny. So it tells us how old we are. Basically. Classics, man. Classics. We're, we're, cla- we're not old. We're classics. We're, we're almost to a Cadillac. We're maybe a Pinto. Finally aged. <laughs> I could cheese. Oh, man. I have no idea how old Matthew is, by the way. Just for the record, I'm like 30. So I'm 42, so I'm catching you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware that I'm like a decade older than most of my colleagues, so. You're you're an old soul though. Just seen too much crap. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That, now right. you both are on the tail end of of uh, residency, or are you guys yeah, done? We're actually done. Oh, we're, cool. we're done. Officially done. When did you get done? Well, uh, Dante got done. Doctor Dante got done a year and a it's all, it's almost nice. a year and a half, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've been attending for a year and a half, bro. And, and uh, what, I, the, what the hell of a year to become an attending in? Right. Ain't no better year than this. Dude. Yeah. So we're talking know. about normalcy. So after a year and a half of getting through your residency, do you feel like you're a, a human being now? Or, or as they so, say, you don't feel like that during med school. So I, I will admit that the, uh, the whole training process was a little funky for me. I actually worked a pseudo parallel job slash life separate no from being a doctor this whole time. So it, it felt kind of nice finishing residency because I got to finally pretend to be an adult like I do in my other job. Because mm. you go from being like a like peon doc uh, to having your own responsibility. But if not for this phase of medical training, most of us here are fully functioning adults. Like most of my med students are older than me. Oh, wow. And in my head, I refer to them as kid. But I'm like, he's like a decade older than me. What the hell? <laughs> but because there's such a gap in training thing, right? Like med school is almost like a like a self uh, self imposed high school all over again, oh, wow. um, with a little bit less hormone, a little bit less, a little bit. A little bit. Although if you've seen Scrubs, it's, oh yeah, that was my favorite. It's frighteningly <laughs> accurate. That got me yeah. through college. I watched that, that, that every is- night. It's the most accurate medical show that's ever been produced. Wow. I have been unable to watch Scrubs since, like, actually getting my diploma. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like I'm watching you guys. Like, I feel like I'm at work all over again. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, John Dorian's on there. <laughs> yeah. Like, every crew has a JD. Every crew has a Oh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Pretty much everyone. That's, that's, that's hilarious. I You know, even though I'm in mental health, we have a lot of doctors around us, so it's fun to... Kind of, you know, they all have their different personalities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Every profession versus uh, um, EMD to a psychiatrist. Psychiatrists are kind of their own, you know, their own kind of world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're out in med school, you're going to be psychiatrists. What's that? Yeah. You kind of figure out in med school who's going to be the psychiatrist. Oh, and yeah. Who will be the subtle. And who will be family practice docs. It's. They settle themselves out pretty quick or sort themselves out pretty quick. You, you don't need a magic sorting hat. Although I thought I was going to be a physiatrist until I became a family doctor. So, Well, you know, family doctors are kind of a little bit of everything. So you, you are a physiatrist in the way you practice. And you specialize in neuromusculoskeletal medicine. So, you know. We call it a backdoor specialty, sir. Yeah, <laughs> that's what uh, I think uh, Dr. Astor was telling me about that. It's It's a whole... You you manipulate or kind of 
It's a different, it was, I learned a lot the last time we did that podcast. So (laughs) nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, and and, uh, it's, it's interesting because we do try to maintain connections um, mm -hmm. with our patients as much as possible, but there has been that difficulty this year. I, I, I'm wondering if, if you're seeing more disconnection, disconnections from childhood because kids are disconnecting from their peers. Could you? Yeah, there's, yeah, I think we're seeing it more in depression, suicide. Uh, We're getting eight year olds trying to commit suicide. Um, And we've never had that. I mean, it's in 20 something years, I've never seen as many cases that are increasing. Um, I was talking about, go ahead. What, what does an eight year old, know about suicide like how do they even try it's scary because netflix i mean net i'm not i'm not blaming on netflix but it could be netflix any of those outliers that i'm just the movies in general the media yeah yeah, um so disclaimer not didn't say nothing bad about them it's just um wherever they're getting their media uh information so a lot of the movies will teach it i mean there was one on that platform that talked about a kid committing suicide and went through it, the whole episodes. Um, so this kid, I mean, I have one case. I remember the eight year old rap trying to wrap his foot, a heavy object and drown themselves in a pool. And uh, wow. it's not just, usually we would get ideations like where they talk about it, but we're actually seeing cases where they're trying to attempt it now. And so it comes from all ages. How do we, how do we prevent that? I mean, how, how do we reconnect kids to each other in a time of quarantine where it's not a good idea to be doing social stuff? My opinion? Yeah. Kids, please. <laughs> Stop please. shutting shit down. <laughs> You're about to say that here. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Thank you. This um, is a safe space. Is this, I don't is this, know, whatever. Is this Howard Stern show? Um, no, no, no. That's as, yeah, that's as far as I'll go, but. I appreciate that. Um, but but the big thing is just, and I use that word just to make a very strong point, is... Howard Stern? Yeah, kids have to have socialization. There's just no way around it. Um, for for us, we, we with our four-year-old, we send them to uh, kind of an alternative little school and a home that a mom does with about eight or ten kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we chose to do that because it's so important for his development. He needs to go have friends. He needs to socialize. Um, so some places parents don't have that option. And so it's just, I, I think the, the scary thing is again, we're repeating history and the poor kids are going to suffer more than us adults. Cause the, the thing in psychology as adults, we have the ability to adapt, right? Kids can adapt. They are very resilient, but there's only a point where, um, they will have some disrupts in their adaption because they're going to say, hey, this is what it was going. Why can't I go do this? Because they don't they don't reason like me and you. They don't understand this bad virus has caused everything to no matter how many times you explain it to them. Yeah. My son actually has gotten to the habit of asking, where are my friends? Yes. Like because, um, you know, he used to go to, to daycare and yep. we'd hang out in playgrounds and whatnot. And he picked up on it real quick. Like uh, yeah. there's nobody in the parks anymore. Like uh like a yeah. scene from Terminator 2 almost. Yep. And he's just kind of like, where is everybody? This is spooky. And I'm like, holy crap, my kid understands. Yeah. And in, in Dante, you hit it to where kids' psychology is a lot quicker than adults. Like kids will just, they see the norm 
or that homeostasis. Hey, why has things changed? And as adults, we forget to, you know, kind of explain it as it goes because we get caught up in our own in our own crap that we can't, we were like, oh yeah, hey, let me now talk to you as a, not as an adult, but let me kind of try to break it down. Yeah. And and it's just constant. Go ahead. I think we're going to find changing the norm is going to be difficult. Now, now the data is out there saying, hey, kids can safely go back to school. The transmission data of the virus from kids to adults is negligible. The risk factor for kids uh, passing this to each other is smaller than if it was an adult. So how are we going to open stuff up again when we're still saying, hey, yeah. not everyone should be grocery shopping, not everyone should be going to restaurants and those kinds of things. But I'm going to be, the, you know, I'm going to push on this because the stupid side of this is I'm going to shut restaurants down, but I'm going to leave big box businesses open, right? Right. Um, like Walmarts, all those big boxes that just have made millions these poor, and I'm not getting into that, but it's just, it, it doesn't For the record, sense. we can probably get into it. Okay, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me because if we're talking about mental health and getting people back to where they are, it's so backwards. Because I, if I go into the grocery store, I have more risk to get it than sitting at a table with social distancing in a restaurant, right? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, that's, that's not why we were talking back. about connecting back with the physicians, right? It's yeah. um, the the policies and the, a lot of the moves that are happening at mm-hmm. public health level and or local government level, sometimes large and local government, um, are meaningfully segregated from what the evidence, what the data is starting to show. Yeah. Uh, and it's not so much that the data shows this, therefore move everything. It's the conversation isn't even happening. Like I, I have this thing called Vumedi. Um, it's mm-hmm. basically just a running feed of almost like a YouTube for physicians where you know, as a bunch of docs or uh, scientists do the research, they publish, they put out what they're talking about, everybody kind of shares their data. And there's a incredibly nuanced and important conversations on how to manage this thing um, as a biological entity happening. Um, but none of that conversation crosses over to policy, nope. where like a lot of the policymakers are making moves as if we're still back in March of 2020. Whereas the technology, the research, we know a lot more now, but it doesn't matter if nobody complies. Or no, if nobody knows to even think about that stuff. Well, and I'll poke a little more. I think they're still in the policy of 1918 because because it's <laughs> it, it's it, it, what yeah. drives me crazy is you guys speaking as doctors. We already have this data. I mean, it might be a different virus, but it's you know now you guys are getting more data. Hey, it doesn't affect kids. Where say the Spanish flu would it didn't have any mercy on anybody, right? Right. Uh, it it took out little kids, everybody, right? So it's just, so it, and it took out the twenty to forty year olds at a much higher rate than yeah. ever yeah, seen. It preferentially took out the the young and robust, but that was a very yeah. fascinating feature of that of that bug. Yeah. For the record, and, as far as pandemics go, we got the easy version. Yes, like all pa- all pandemics suck. By the way, oh yeah, they do. But as far as pandemics go, guys, this is a training run. Oh, um, yeah. Like we're, we're not dude, doing the, well hunt of, the training run, right? The Hunter virus in Korea. Oh, that was, um, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Spanish flu, obviously, is the one that keeps coming up. You know, the bubonic plague once upon yep. a time. Yep. Like, this, is, this isn't this is the walking dead. It doesn't have to be. It needs to be mm-hmm. taken seriously. Yes, of course. But at the same time, like, it, it seems with the way... So, in response to massive stress, we tend to simplify things a lot, right? Yep. Like, like the room for nuance kind of goes away when there's a saber-toothed tiger uh, trying to gun you down. Yes, saber-toothed tiger gunning you down. 
really bad scenario. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could have guns. You, you never know. <laughs> it's actually a Zoid. All the things I watched with my four-year-old. I, I think there's a saber tooth out there that has guns. I'm pretty sure it's like a Power Ranger thing or something. Maybe it's a Velociraptor because they can open doors. There you go. But all this to say, um, so in times of significant stress, the ability to think and nuance meaningfully diminishes, and that's typically a good thing. The issue is when that happens at a public policy level or at a population level, I should say, we have like this on switch, off switch, like, do I care about COVID or not? Mm -hmm. But that's not really how this goes. It's these people should care. These people should do this for others. These people shouldn't care, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's actually a much more granular discussion than it is. But because that's such a nuanced thing, how do you even talk about that? By the way, fear. And you end up with, uh, I don't care about COVID. It's fake versus COVID's everything is the apocalypse. Yep. So you have a in-between of all that. So that fight and flight syndrome. Um, you hit a huge thing, Dante, that we deal with in the mental health field because People are at disbelief that it even exists, and then some are like panicked and they won't even go out their their house. Uh, right. So that it's causing a lot of agoraphobia, phobia. So that you know people are remaining in their home because, again, that media outlet you choose is going to create that fear you're talking about. Hey, don't go anywhere. We're going to make it larger than it. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to say it's larger than it is. I will but say it, it is meaningfully yeah. large, but it's yeah. not quite. The apocalypse that we had in 1918. We don't have apocalypse now. Music playing in the background. But let me, you know, compassion fatigue. Do you guys know that term? According oh yeah, to the doctors. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So, we so do you remember back in the day the the radio or the commercials? We'd say feed a child for fifty three cents or whatever it was. Yeah. Some, some in the arms. Yeah, of there you go. <laughs> and we we talked about there's there's a, a burnout when it comes to we see that commercial over and over and over, right? Yeah. Um, um, I can spend my fifty cents on a Big Mac yeah. and feed myself. We see when you drive and you see like if you're in a highly populated of homeless. You, you see them, but you're like, oh, I don't have a dollar. And people feel guilty, but there's a point of when it, you start seeing that. And it's what's happening with COVID is we're seeing it on the news. We're seeing it on the radio. We're seeing it on, hey, cases have spiked. It's off the charts. Don't go anywhere. And so it's this mass hysteria again, right? Yeah. And the second wave seems to be more hysterical than the first. See, that's what it's really crazy because, you know, as you guys are talking, hey, we found that it doesn't really affect kids. So where is the point of normalcy when they don't want normalcy? So that would be my question. So is that becoming the normal? Yeah. You know, they're not wanting normal? Whatever normal is? I think they're using it to where, hey, guys, be fearful. Because as doctors, you're like, no, they can go back to school. And then, But then one head is telling you guys, hey, no, we need to shut things down. We're like, well, okay, well, how's that going to help anything? <laughs> I mean... We still get it from our families. People still are going to work. It's still going to come in the homes. Um, and we still have to work. We yeah. can't shut everything completely down and expect to survive. I mean, at the end of the day, as a doctor knows, it's going to take its course, right? It's the, yeah, yeah. You do your will. ways to prevent it, but it's you know, wash your hands is probably the best thing, right? Washing your hands, wearing your mask, yeah. doing your protective stuff. So I, I guess the big question I have is from a mental health issue mm -hmm. 
standpoint. What are some things that people can do to reconnect with a life that they want? And I won't say normal at this point because normal changes we've already established. But how how can someone go about, number one, defining what they want, and then number two, reconnecting with what they want so they can achieve those goals? Good question. I, I would just say routine. Really simplify it. Create a routine. Uh, don't give up your routines just because of what's gone. You know, you have to adjust a little bit, like being home. I, I, I work a lot from home, so me and my wife juggle the kids. Uh, so I go to the gym at six in the morning when I come home, then she goes to the gym, then I take the kids over. And then when she comes home, then I start all my meetings. So we've had to create this routine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's starting to, it's starting to really set in. Cause that was one of my goals. Cause when the first wave came through, I really struggled and had a huge weight gain. Cause it was just like listening to the news too much, listening to too many people. The a, lot of yes, a lot of cortisol. Yes. A lot of cortisol. Combination of cortisol and ice cream. Yeah. And I feel good. Even though everybody's like, why would you go to the gym? It's so scary. And I says, well, why would you go to Walmart? It's so scary. (laughs) But um, truth be told, the gym may be safer now because people are starting to maybe wipe stuff down. Yeah, we are. I don't know if you remember what the gym was like before, but no one was anything. It was nasty. I'd wash my hands every time. That's because those people are assholes. You're supposed to wash them. (laughs) Yeah, you are. (laughs) You are. You had to make sure you wipe stuff down before you worked out and after because you knew the rules didn't change. People are just paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, and then and that's you're praying. You're pulling a positive out of this because we should be doing that anyways. And you know, but going back to that, I think the routine has helped for me because now I I'm actually feeling better. You know, because I go work out. I'm eating healthier, so I'm creating those routines where. Uh, where we lose the, what I would really encourage is that's the first thing is routine and don't lose a, don't lose hope and, 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 and purpose. Cause if you lose those two things, that's where, if you just say, Hey, we're going to die tomorrow. So let's just go spend all we can or do whatever we can. Uh, that's, and we've seen that right now. I'm, I'm being facetious, but that is really what's going on right now. Everybody's like, I've seen that non-facetiously. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. You, you're probably seeing cases. Well, what's the point, Doc? I, you know, we're just gonna all because uh, it's right. it's been built up that scary that this, you know, yes, people have died. We're we're not discrediting that, uh, but every year you hear this all the time. People have died with the flu. People are still dying from other things, and I think that's where you guys are probably seeing that medically, where a lot of people are not realizing, hey, there's still a lot of other things going on out there. Well, what's so interesting this is year, have gone down in other places and gone yeah. up here. So people are not doing things that are getting themselves killed in other in other years. Yeah, I'll say the um, according to whatever data tracking we have with, I believe it was was the Department of Health and Human Services or a CDC, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a running count of excess deaths in the country this year. Like it's just a thing we 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 do on a regular. It's a uh, mm-hmm. There's a like a known rate of humans dying in the country, and look meaningfully. There's been a massive spike in death um, this year. That that part is, regardless of any of the reasons and causality, is is uh, is true. But then there was like all these subroutines to break down what the excess death was actually coming from, based on you know the death certificates and whatnot. And a large amount of them were COVID. Not going to lie about that. But at the same time a very not insignificant portion that's like really clinical speaking a big ass portion was um <laughs> things that were not related to covid like you know suicide um heart disease etc it looks like all versions of death have gone up this year um 
a large chunk of it is COVID, absolutely. But that has amplified the other means of mortality. It hasn't put them aside. At what point does suicide matter more? Which is a hard question, obviously. It's an insane question. It's impossible to quantify. Yeah, you can't. And and I would just encourage people listening, you know, just because COVID's out there, go take care of yourself still. Go see doctors like these two. Because I think people are suffering from other things because they're they're like, hey, I don't want to go see my doctor because I don't want to get COVID. Um, so they're not taking care of their diabetes or their heart disease or other 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 elements. Right. I've had well, folks you, pick up uh, tobacco again for that exact reason. Like, look, yeah. doc, I'm going to die next year anyway. I'm going to smoke. It's cool. And I'm like, dude, you're one of the healthy ones. <laughs> what, you're 20. That. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, and, yeah, and I, I think... Yeah, that, that role that you, you mentioned of finding a purpose is really important here. Getting someone to think outside of themselves, not outside of the box, but mm-hmm. outside of themselves and looking for other ways that they can contribute to their community, even if they don't have a lot of uh, social programs available. Uh, one of the things that I recommend to my patients when they're coming in with depression and anxiety is to find ways to reach outside of themselves into their communities, into their families and uh, other societies so that they can stop really focusing on what's causing them to suffer and giving them something productive to do and something relatable to do, something that generates a a purpose and joy as, as an, uh, antidepressant, mm-hmm. you know, rather than simply medicating because the medications have their role as we've talked, but to finding ways to, to medicate without medications, yeah. you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Glosser, you're, you're really talking about Glosser was one of the, um, theorists. He talked about reality therapy he says, get up and go do something. Right. When you have major depression, uh, I think the worst thing is, you know, medications is, is, is a help, but you got to move like you're saying, Hey, what can I do? What, how can I keep moving in purpose? It can be the small thing. Hey, I'm going to go volunteer at the dog shelter. I'm going to go do something. Find purpose because purpose is what saved my life. It saves anybody's life, even as a doctor, even as a professional, because uh, everybody, it's the human condition. You got to have a story and you got to share that. Uh, so it's, it's really cool that you guys bring it up that way. Um, because one of the big challenges was, okay, with all these systems down, mm-hmm. um, regard whether it be because of lockdown behaviors or just the genuine scarcity of things, it's been hard for a lot of folks. Uh, this is escaping my patients now into just more generic, uh, like the people I know. Like It's been hard to find purpose when there's literally nothing to do in some places. Yeah. And what a lot of... Uh, I've been hearing a lot of my friends um, outside of medical, they've actually retreated back into um, the online environment. So yeah. uh, MMORPGs, VR chat, like... They've been recreating purpose, and the purpose itself is silly. It's it's silly in a weird way. It's just to connect to humans again, but we can't do it in person. So slap on an Oculus, go say hi, put on some Neko cat ears or whatever, and go to a party. Yep. You know what I mean? I have a I have a buddy who's building rave uh, planets in this VR chat environment, and that's just been a place for people to chill out. And it's not quite a rave, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, look, man, you put on the right goggles, you have a good headset. Um, it's healing people. Yeah. It's keeping them sane. My my son will um, have his computer with his friends right next to him while they're playing Fortnite. Um, right. so, so they're on Zoom while they're still. It's pretty 
crazy. They started a YouTube channel and he's 10 years old and they're just finding ways to still connect. And I think the biggest thing, and I, and, and just to kind of, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I learned growing up Christian is that they talk about that men's hearts will fail them in, in, in the later days. And, and it doesn't mean they're going to have heart attacks. It means they're going to lose direction or purpose because of fear. Fear is the, what's what they're talking about in there. And I think that we're seeing that right now. There's so much fear that people are just stopped trying or stopped yeah. moving forward. And, and that's what we got to combat when it comes to mental health is, you know, doctors, you guys have the, you're, you're part of that science. And I keep hearing, listen to the science. Well, they keep telling you kids can go back to school. So let them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so yeah, we, yeah, we have a huge issue going on. We have lawmakers thinking they're doctors and doctors saying, you guys are crazy up there making laws because you never are in the trenches with us. Right. I think if you're a politician, they should go sit and do job shadowing before they can be elected. Uh, yeah. Keep in mind, just for fun, I'm going to add another layer of complexity to this one because yeah, it matters for these conversations. <laughs> the doctors and the scientists themselves are actually divided on this line um, about as much as the general public is. You have docs who, based on their reasonably crappy research, because it's all brand new, mm -hmm. says that this thing is fine versus same thing, reasonably crappy research saying that it's all hell. But what a lot of folks miss out is the scientific process, right? At the cutting edge of science, this shit is variable as hell versus what's already been established. Like at this point, nobody's really questioning the utility of vaccines. Yep. Um, no, it just that's a lie. People are questioning it. Nobody who matters. Can I say that? Nobody knows what they're talking about. There you go. Yeah. Um, with any authority is saying that there's any issues with vaccines, but the news debates are how to make this particular instance work. That's actually a fair argument. Likewise, nobody's questioning, let's say, uh, evolution at this point, right? We have DNA. It's a thing. Deal with it. Gattaca. But I mean, that's how we made the most recent vaccination anyway. Right. But there's still arguments in the field regarding how epigenetics works and how actual inheritance occurs at various... You know, I mean, there's, there's still arguments and there's still levels of discrepancy. But if you only focus on the discrepancy without all the underlying context, you end up fighting about the wrong thing. So like, yeah. Scientists are arguing about this point versus that point and little nuances about COVID right now because we're still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. But broadly speaking, we've learned a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But what ends up happening is because one scientist says this, the other one scientist says that, nobody likes to read papers because they're long and hard to read. <laughs> what the general, yeah, you, you perceive flip-flopping. Exactly. Your digest version. Yeah. And uh, it has been interesting to watch the, the general public uh, respond to uh, the scientific process uh, as, as though they've been reintroduced it for the first time uh, since they were in public schools. Um, but there is definitely that disconnect with uh, between the different factions. Oh, it's huge. Because, I mean, in general population, we don't, we don't get the science. So we're saying, hey, we did this a miracle. We got a vaccine in, in a matter of 18 months or 12 months. And we want you to trust us and take it, right? <laughs> and but and but the new am legend is going, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the computer. But but then if you think about it, you know, Z Dog breaks it down. He says, "Look, you know, back then it took forty years to make it because we didn't we didn't have the science we do now. And you can, if you fund it right, you can speed up the process, right? Because uh, it's all about funding, right?" 
well, the technology yeah, it's there. that was used this time has been around for at least a decade. But SARS and MERS disappeared so quick that uh, the vaccine companies didn't have a chance to use the technology. There you go. So one thing that's driven the development of this vaccine is the fact that it's hung around. Mm-hmm. And uh, the vaccine companies are, are going, yes, we finally get to use this technology. Let's see how it works. There's also the issue about just this is biology. There's no software modeling for some of this stuff. We just need the the numbers of patients with this, the N, to rise sufficiently. It was actually one of the really weird ironies. Uh, half the reason that the vaccine came out so damn quickly was because the U.S. sucked so hard at containing the virus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they had plenty of people to use in the research. That's for yes, sure. yes, yes, yes. And it, it, it's, it's just, it, you know, we're all going to become Star Trek anyways. They're going to have all those gadgets. We're already coming. Maybe that'll yeah. put us into that yeah, world. We, but We don't have a warp drive yet. Uh, <laughs> if, if the Star Trek timeline was correct, we should have had a warp drive by now. I'm waiting for it, man. I'm waiting for it. But um, <laughs> See, I just really want a Razor from that, that Red Rising series, man. Oh, like, yeah, y'all can have cool. your fancy FTL travel. Oh, I just want a fucking sling blade. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah I, I don't disagree with that. I... You know, and, and, and it's funny we joke about it, but the technology is there. I like that you said that, Doctor Aston, and and a lot of people don't realize the tech that is behind all this. Um, we're in a different era. It's definitely advanced, yeah. and yet, despite all of this advancement, mm-hmm. uh, the human race uh, doesn't seem to have advanced socially as far no. as we. Did. We're way behind beyond that, and and we're in a war right now internally, and we all see that. We, you know, not. Uh, I, I don't really talk much about it, but it, there's an internal war among it. We're so divided right now in, in medical and yeah. social and all those areas. And, and to kind of tie it back to what you're asking, I think that's where the, the, the difficulty of connecting is, is having a hard time because your, your ability to go to church, to go to school, to do all those things community-wise has been just torn out. Your fabrics have been torn away from you. And so now people are trying to say, okay, I got to do this online and that online. Because um, those were your rejuvenations every week. Like, hey, I'm going to go to this and get to meet whoever and do all that socialization. And so I think that's where we just have to really push back and say, hey, um, like Christmas. I just did a podcast. They're telling us you can't do Christmas. You need Don't go to your family members. Don't travel. Um, so what, what would be your take on that as doctors? Cause we're talking about connection. Would you, would you agree with that? Or would, do we say, Hey, let's just shut it all down. Hey, go shop, go do black Friday, but don't go to Christmas. <laughs> well, I, I do a lot of my black Friday shopping online now because everything's now cyber week, right? Oh yeah. There's uh, no point. We, to we just bought a re- we're, we're closing on a house and we just bought a refrigerator online. Okay. So, but I think there there has to be some gradation of how you're doing this. So my parents are are late sixties, early seventies, mm-hmm. and they are in the high risk group. Uh, we just recently had a family event that they attended, um, and some of the family there were were not masked and ended up testing positive for the virus. Scary. My parents were masked there, and they were. Uh, understandably concerned uh, until they went, you know, a couple of weeks without being symptomatic and testing negative. Um, so there is that concern for the older population. Uh, what do you do now for younger families? It, it's probably okay to spend a little bit of time together, like we said, with the kids. They're not passing it, but but still, you have the adults that have the potential for passing it. So, so 
This is going to be one of those moments where I uh, remind everybody that this show is not counted as medical advice, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very important question in this environment, right? Like this isn't theoretical. This is um, the, the question is, what do you do in this context? And for some folks, that's a do or die move. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I've been making a point not to go too science heavy this time because, uh, the, the last three episodes, I dove straight into the neuroscience. Like, here's some psycho farm. Let's have some fun. Um, <laughs> you did go deep. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go into just a tiny bit of statistics because this stuff matters right now. So averages don't help, right? This is one of the things that Dr. Aston brought up a few episodes back. Like, nobody actually exists as the average it's it's this weird aggregate amalgamation it's depersonalized to the point where i was like what do you even do with that data um on average the death rate for covid is um reasonably low on average the infectivity and the uh, the morbidity for it is relatively low but what ends up happening is when you break down the population that you're studying into subgroups right as instead of studying everybody together Let's break mm -hmm. them down based on, I don't know, uh, age groups or gender or socioeconomic. Yeah, Find a parameter, break them up. You know what I mean? 45 to 60, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Population groups, 24 to 44, 20 to 44. Right. So the reason I bring that up is um, I remember back in April to May, I was doing this big subgroup analysis on COVID because I need to figure out what the hell is going on for the sake of, one, my safety, two, my actual job. I'm a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. And after just running the numbers to the best of what we had available, um, the most honest thing I could say about COVID is for the vast majority of the population, uh, individually, clinically, this doesn't actually matter. For about two-thirds of the U.S. population, this thing is pretty much nothing. The issue is, for the remaining third, it matters a hell of a lot. Um, and what happens is when you average basically nothing and a hell of a lot, there's so much more of that basically nothings that the sum total of it looks like, yeah, this thing isn't a big deal unless you're in one of these groups. The issue is in this country uh, because we are phenomenally in love with McDonald's. Um, Which is uh, yeah. a deadly proposition by itself, but yeah, we've talked about that in the past. Right, right. What ends up happening is Americans on average are a relatively easy population to get sick off of COVID. Um, not saying everybody gets sick, right? The healthy are still healthy, mm -hmm. but there are so much more sick that it's worth consideration. Um, the reason I bring all that up is in regards to the holiday thing, there's no good way to make a broad sweeping guideline because if your quote unquote family unit is you, your wife, y'all are in like your twenties, thirties, whatever, you got no kids, family units, pretty much dope, have fun, rock on, go party. Do you but if you doing a family reunion means you're going to get up with a bunch of like 70, 80 year old folks, yep. those are the people who actually really should be caring about this. And you're still a transmission vector. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it you're, does. It may not be, but you are. Yeah. It's, it's a harder conversation because that's different from saying celebrate, don't celebrate. It's who are you partying with? Who are you going home to? And, you know, in the, in, in a three part that I was doing, I says, Hey, mindset, let's, let's plan and have those conversations. And that, that was the advice I give people is, hey, look at who's coming and is it safe? Is it not? Like when we did Thanksgiving, uh, one of my siblings 
caught COVID right at the, right at the day, two days before. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah. So what we did is we said, okay, mom, dad, go. And he had been over to their house and we said, Hey, go get yourself tested. Uh, and everybody else, and they were negative, And so everybody else got tested. You know, we're, we're one of the few, I, I have access to tests. So it, it's not normal because no, everybody, so they ran down to CBS, they ran down to everywhere else. And so it's just like you're saying, Dante is use some, you know, take some time to think it through before you just rush into it. Right. Yeah. Cause and, and realize that there are some traditions yeah. that can be done successfully electronically. Like my family is planning on doing a white elephant gift exchange via Zoom, and we're going to use uh, Amazon to do it. It's it's a fun little setup that my sister developed, and there there are there are creative ways, not the most ideal of ways, but there are still creative ways to develop or to maintain these traditions yeah. um, through the holidays. Right, the spirit of Christmas can transmit over the internet, guys. <laughs> you can have a Zoom party. Uh, I liked what you said, Dante. What's it called again? A, a Zoom raver? A oh, Zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was. So basically, um, just going full nerd real quick, there's a platform called VR Chat. Basically, you make a virtual environment. Uh, it's all free stuff. People engineer their own things. It's it's really cool developer space. And some folks have built universes, I guess, or worlds, uh, VR environments that are essentially infinite rave parties that people can just populate and go crazy in, which is most entertaining as a phenomenon. There's uh, this other game called No Man's Sky, which came out for the PlayStation, I believe came out for the uh, for the PC as well, which also had a world engineering, like a world architect type of function. And folks got really deep into the programming of it and started making an entire like inhabitable planets where everything is this technicolor, looks like something out of like Trolls 2 or something which is not a compliment, but it, that that's what they made with a decent EDM beat. And now I'm like, okay, this is, this is what people do in the, in the apocalypse. This is essentially ready player one all over again. I'll take it. Well, and you know, if, if they're uh, drinking and whatnot, um, at least they don't have to worry about driving home. Hey, there you go. They, you can't get STDs over the internet. You can get viruses for your computer, but. <laughs> that's a good point. See, you're finding meaning in adversity there. So Right, right. You're Other... not good. Now later that you got the computer pregnant. Uh, other deaths will go down. So there, there you go. go. <laughs> I mean, look, for the for the ones I know who are actually architecting some of this stuff, it's you you derive a lot of meaning being the guy building a platform for people to connect in. Like that's oh, yeah. that's it's huge. That's that's healing for a lot of people. Um, you know what I mean? It's it sounds silly when I joke about it, like, yeah, it's it's basically trolls too on steroids and a lot of pseudo ecstasy. But as long as we don't go all the way to Ready Player One level. With oh, yeah, that, that would be crazy. Ready Player that One. That would be, oh, yeah, no, we can't do that. Or that, what, what's that one with uh, Bruce Willis where they had the syndicates or whatever, the robots? Oh, the syndicates? Oh, yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody stayed uh, at home and got in the machine or something. <laughs> Why am I blanking on this? I can see oh, the you, scenes I can't in, my, the name of it. in my head parts. <laughs> ah. he, he's like a, he's like a, a, a an and. They they have their pods at home, never go yeah. out. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I have to look it up. Keep in mind, this is like my jam as far as sci-fi goes. So like oh, yeah. you described like a dozen different movies I saw last week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get along, Dante, uh, Doctor Dante, because I, I I'm always I'm a movie buff. I went to film school, so 
dope, man. Very, yeah. Real dope. We're really weird, right? I'm in mental health. And and where are you going to plan another episode just based on that, I think? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. I'm a martial artist who impersonates being a doctor. So See? You know, everybody has a secret life. <laughs> there you go. Well, awesome. Well, uh, man, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Matthew Cox, thanks for coming on. Now, just as a reminder to everyone, his podcast is Purpose Driven Person Show. Y'all got to get out there and listen to it. He's got some great stuff. Um, he, and he's got some great content. So thanks again for coming. And we will do this definitely again. Um, and uh, thanks again for listening to uh, Rolling Bones, the osteopathic podcast, where we talk about your body, your health, and how to fix things. And everyone, have a safe holiday. Merry Christmas. Yes. Rollin' Bones, the osteopathic podcast, is brought to you by Dr. James Aston and Dante Paredes. We'd like to note that medicine is a constantly changing science and art with various approaches from practitioner to practitioner. This podcast represents the Rollin' Bones doctor's views of osteopathic medicine and OMT and will be as evidence-based as possible. Now, comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors are welcome, but no money from drug or device companies is accepted. By listening to this podcast, you agreed not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including, but not limited to, patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This applies to the hosts, guests, and contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall James Aston, Dante Paredes, or any guests or contributors to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. Please visit us on Twitter at Rollin' Bones Pod or send us messages at rollandbonespod at gmail.com. Thank you.